Before we begin, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the class. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion, but wanting more. There are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. I'll see you there. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Everybody and thank you for joining me for a special edition of the Richard Listens Show. I've got my baseball all-star cap on and we'll see why in just a minute as our guest today has been around the realm of professional baseball and we are fortunate enough to catch Jesse Michelle, Certified Mental Performance Consultant, while baseball is on a temporary hiatus. Again, I'm Richard Listens. This is the Richard Listens Show. Thank you for listening. Again, check me out on Instagram at Richard Listens or go to patreon.com slash Richard listens to be a supporter of the show and see advanced content and become a subscriber. Your gift of one to three dollars a month, anything helps provide advanced content and gets you special perks and privileges. Without further ado, my guest today, Jesse Michelle, enters his fourth season as the Astros Mental Skills Coordinator. He works closely with player development, sports medicine, performance staff, and front office personnel. Prior to joining the Astros, he spent four years working as a lead master resilience trainer, performance expert, at the Comprehensive Soldier and Family Fitness Trainer in Honolulu, Hawaii. What a mouthful. This man is talented. He's knowledgeable. He provides hands-on training and self-development tools so that members of the Army family were better able to cope with adversity, perform better in stressful situations, and thrive on and off the battlefield. Uh, he's a PhD in sports and exercise psychology from West Virginia University, where he was their mental skills coordinator from 2009 to 2013. He's coached helped the Mountaineers, West Virginia Mountaineers, athletes, their Olympic trial participants, NCAA All-Americans, Conference Coach of the Year winners. Uh, and he himself has a, a master's in science from exercise and sports sciences and his BA in psychology at California, San Diego. He's also listed on the United States Olympic Committee uh, Sports Psychology Registry. So without further ado, we welcome to the show, Mr. Jesse Michelle. Hey, Jesse, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me, Richard? I can. I can. I just got done reading your praises about working with uh, Army War veterans and baseball players. And uh, I hope uh, roofers don't come at us during... You never know. They're next on the list. I might have to, uh, I might have to 
start being a consultant for <laughs> roofing companies. We'll see. We'll see. If you hear any loud banging, there's uh, there's no war going on. Which, uh, well, you know, Florida can wreak havoc uh, up on up on a roof. So that's a good point. You got to stay prepared for for hurricane season. That's right. Right. How you and, doing? Uh, th- I'm doing all right. Thank you so much. You're seeing my outdoor office. This has become my quarantine office. So love that. Looks very comfortable. How's the uh, how's the LA weather these days? You know what? It, it's beautiful. It was kind of like wintry in March and April, windy and gusty. But now we have uh, hummingbirds will come over my shoulder here and uh, butterflies. So it's like having an outdoors uh, session. But starting to get the heat's finally starting to get up there. We haven't had the uh, the LA heat. And you're you're an LA native, right? I am. Yeah, I'm from uh, San Fernando Valley uh, originally, but I, I haven't lived there for probably close to 20 years now uh, since I moved away to college. But uh, still get back there at least uh, a few times a year, um, try to mix in a visit, you know, when I'm on the road uh, for work and then sometime in the off season. But, you know, family still lives there and friends still live there. So uh, definitely call that place home. Yeah. So, how, I mean, working with Major League Baseball, I mean, the schedule is, is rough. Uh, do you work with um, all the way through the minor leagues, through the professional players? I do, yeah. We Each club uh, has a different setup for their program. Ours is set up where my job is to, to travel to the different minor league teams in addition to spending time in Houston, you know, during a normal season, we'll call it. I'm probably in Houston for, you know, a total of five, six weeks out of, out of the year, um, you know, dur- tr- during home games and, uh, you know, may, tr- may travel on the road depending on the situation and then also visiting our other minor league affiliates a few times during the year. And you're having a, a growing family of your own now, so you get a sense of, and congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, so you get a sense of what players go through with, with being on the road. Uh, uh, now I see some pictures trying to bring your family out there with you. How do you balance all of it? Yeah, not well, not well. <laughs> the old practice what you preach, right? I had, uh, when I first was hired by the Astros. I had zero children and now we're a, <laughs> we're a few weeks away from number two. So really the way I balance it is to be married to the most forgiving and sensitive and understanding woman on the planet. I mean, that that's really the answer. Uh, you know, all kidding aside, you know, she's allowing me to do what I love and, you know, we're very fortunate. Uh, we, our off season home is out in Florida, like I said earlier in Tampa and she has family around here. So we, we do have some support, even though my family's not here. Um, but, uh, without, without them, um, you know, I, I don't know if, uh, how long our marriage would have lasted. You got to have support though, right? That's, need, uh, that's what we tell the athletes, right? That's right. That's right. Mental health one one make sure you got the right people in your corner so. well especially you know going from being there for performers to raising a family of your own it's you know uh, and the attention that it demands very very different and i'm very thankful even though at the time i have no idea someone told me to take a job with la county where the shift was 10 p.m to 6 a.m sunday to wednesday Oof. <laughs> and i said <laughs> I, I was like why would i want you know i was i was on the bottom of my list and they said no that's the one where you'll be home for breakfast home for dinner mm-hmm. uh you know and you'll figure out when to sleep yeah so. <laughs> no that's, that's a good point and i think you know as far you, you you mentioned our players earlier i think for the the parallel is like well they are coming and going as well and this even goes back to soldiers right if we would have these programs and when i was working with the army um, transition programs, right? To and from deployment, redeployment, you go down range, you come back and, you know, we would teach these courses to spouses and 
uh, to soldiers who are about to leave or about to come back and really just talk about kind of the transition and the different roles that are assumed when you're gone. You know, you have your certain, every, every home, right, has its, its norms, its collective norms, its social norms, who is responsible for what chores, who puts the baby to bed, who cooks dinner, who, and if you're not there, it's not like those things don't get done, they just get done by the other person, right? And so then they, they, be, they take ownership of those activities and they find meaning in that. And for our baseball players, they're, they're kind of in and out throughout the year. And then they come home in the off season or they come home during the season. Um, and now they want to reintegrate into family life. And it can, can certainly be a tough transition. But uh, I think you'll, to, to a man, to, for our players, if you ask them, um, they would all say the same things about, about their wives is that they, they wouldn't be able to do what they did without, you know, the support from their spouse. Um, and really where you find it, you know, it, it's a, I'm not going to say it's easier. The challenges are different, but where you are, depending on in your career, if you're an established veteran, who's, you know, already made enough money to last several lifetimes, if you're a up and coming, you know, uh, player who just made his debut and you got a young family, if you're somewhere in the middle and then, and then you have this, 90% of our player population are minor leaguers and a lot of them have wives and support groups and they're not bringing in the big bucks. So that's where, you know, those relationships can really be tested uh, at that level where they, they don't necessarily have the safety cushion or, or safety net to fall back on. Right. Cause some are just committing and really hoping for that one big break. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. There's a great, uh, I don't know if any of your listeners are in, into baseball, but there's a great podcast by Colin McHugh. He pitched for the, uh, the Astros for the last five, six years. He, he signed a free agent deal with the Red Sox. And he, he's a brilliant guy. He's very thoughtful, but really interesting stories. And, you know, kind of one of the themes of his podcast is this, this the minor league grind. And when he, he got married early, I think he was in low A and him and his wife kind of had lived in like 25 different places or something by the time he got to the major leagues, which is just an astounding number and totally abnormal and, and not healthy, you know, for, for humans to be, you know, in and out of, of situations like that. But if this is the path they choose, they got to make it work. Yeah. And, and for baseball players, right. The, the park becomes home, uh, you know, the clubhouse, the, the, the tribe of teammates, uh, you know, how do you, but how do you bring the family along with you uh, and create that I mean, as an organization? Is, I mean, can you create that kind of family culture or is it just, yeah, I think things you can only yeah it's it can be tough I think what what you see is depending on when you're drafted that's kind of like your you know think about when you when you went to elementary school you you were with the kindergartners the first time and that was like your group right and each year you 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 kind of elevated and went to the next grade but they stayed your friends and it might have changed a little bit but you, you for the most part you you played on the same teams with the same people or you did sleepovers with it it's kind of similar <laughs> in sport where you get drafted in 2020 your draft class is going to be those are those are the relationships that are going to be strongest because you're probably moving through the system with them. And what what I've found is that you know naturally the 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 girlfriends or the wives or the support networks kind of fill in right um, where they your your girlfriend or your wife is going to know you know your close friend's girlfriend or wife because when you're on the road and you're uh, you're in Fayetteville. And you're in, you know, Elmira for, for the week and your girlfriend. Shout out to New York. <laughs> right. Or, yeah, whatever. Or you're in, um, you know, you're in some other Carolina, you know, league town for the week. 
your girlfriend's still home working at working at the restaurant or the you know the at the mall or they're working at the bank or with the other girlfriends because they're not traveling so that's typically where you see the support network kind of grow and you create that culture the, the manager at the affiliate can create that culture as well if they have like you know family night or, or team team dinners or whatever they do um, but it's really a challenge because you know the industry is cutthroat there's no guarantee you're going to be here tomorrow you know, people are released and traded all the time. Um, it's really in terms of psychological, psychological safety. And, um, you know, it's, it's not a very uh, healthy environment to work in, at least until you get to the point where you've secured, you know, uh, huge contracts. And even then the pressure is still through the roof. But to get there, those first five, seven years on average, are, they're pretty brutal. Yeah, and and I want to I want to start with you know you you started talking about the military and and your own experience there. What was that like for you? I mean, you know your 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 dad. Uh, you know, thank thank goodness I appreciate his introduction as a baseball coach mm -hmm. and been been doing it for a couple decades. I think as he as he still going still going. I, I think the games were canceled this year, unfortunately. But uh, as as far as I know, he's still has plans to, to coach next year. Next year, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you come from a, you know, a sport family and being down, going from LA to West Virginia. I mean, that's a pretty uh, intense, focused, multi-sport town. Mm -hmm. um, what was that like for you to go from being around, you know, NCA elite performing conference of the year players um, and then making that transition, uh, applying these skills to military population? Yeah, the, the experience at West Virginia and Morgantown, shout out to the Mountaineers, was incredible. In my opinion, the better training grounds, uh, you know, around the country for folks who do what we do. And so fortunate to get the opportunity to work with a whole, you know, host of, of different of athletes from different sports, primarily swimmers, uh, me, our men's and women's swim team. I was there when we transitioned from the Big East to the Big 12. So that was that was really special. You talk about a jump in competition and talent and, uh, you know, swimming, there, there's no pro swimming. So a lot of the Olympic swimmers you see are either in college or right out of college. And so the level of competition was really high. We worked with a bunch of different club sports there, had some great training and education. And like you said, you just get exposed to kind of the elite level athlete. Um, but then you also get to see how that's kind of where it starts to separate. You know, you, you go to college, you're away from home for the first time. There's a lot of opportunity to get involved in, in activities that might not be the best thing for for your athletic development or your personal development. And so you start to see kind of who's suspect to, to maybe fall off in terms of commitment, or maybe they were a great student in high school and they're having trouble balancing how to be a student athlete, or maybe they have difficulty saying no to their older teammates or whatever the situation may be where they have these goals and dreams of, you know, competing and having success at the collegiate level. And then you get there and there's all these distractions. Correct. I didn't plan mm -hmm. for any of this and I don't have the skills to be able to cope with any of it. Um, and so it was, it was neat to just kind of be in that type of fertile hotbed for being able to apply what we do. And then um, the transition to the military, again, I, you know, I didn't have a, a swimming background at all. I don't have, I didn't have any military background, you know, none of my immediate family members served. I was, you know, other than the obviously utmost respect for service members, I didn't know the first thing about, uh, you know, the army or, or being a service member. I didn't know the difference between a general and a private, which now, now sounds absurd, but it was the truth. And so I just, I, I watched as many documentaries and listened to as many interviews and read as many books as I could about what it's like to be a soldier. And, 
you know, just recognize that the, the best way to approach it is to ask a lot of questions and go in with an open mind and recognize that they're better experts at not only what they do than I am, but how to apply what I do to them than I am. Because I, I didn't know what mental skills or performance psychology looked like with soldiers. And um, so a lot of it was trying to understand the, the context and the challenges and the obstacles and, you know, trying to figure out how the, just the, the culture presented itself every day with different groups. And, you know, I think that's one thing that I, I probably, I'm, I still need to get better at is, is trying to see the 30,000 foot view. Um, you know, they, they don't really, in your, in your Sports Psych 101 book, you talk about all these ways to help athletes, but, you know, that you forget that they're in this, they're in this system. It's this dynamic system that has a lot of pressure points and um, a lot of people hold influence at a lot of different times. And if you could be grinding and working and trying to help a, a kid or an athlete get better, and then one person says one thing and six months of work is wiped away. And so if you're not planning or preparing for that or you can't see that down the road, man, you're you're going to be, you're going to be struggling. So that's, that was part of it is understanding just the system, you know, that I was working. And did the, does the military have full buy-in? I mean, I know, you know, like I know baseball is now almost every team has a certified mental performance consultant. That wasn't always the case. Does the, does the military does across the board, they want to see this now for their young soldiers that they have this kind of knowledge and skill base. Sure. I think it's, you know, the term buy-in, for in, in the military world, it's, it, it means something different than the, than the civilian world, because really they, they don't have a choice. They're, you know, they're going to be told where to be, when to be there. And it's our job as, you know, I was a contractor working for the army. It's our job to, to uh, call it edutainment, right? We're going to train them. We're going to, we're going to make things enjoyable, challenge them a little bit, but whether it's an, a group of 18 year old privates or a group of 35 year old, you know, Sergeant majors, you got to know kind of who your audience is and use appropriate examples and try to connect. But if, if we had something on the schedule a Tuesday at four, they're all there. They're there at three fifty. you know, their, their water bottle in hand and their, you know, their dip can in hand and they're, they're ready to go because their, their commanding officer told them they had to be there. So, you know, once they're there, now we can have a, a, a good conversation and, and I can, part of my job is to help, help them understand how, how, how I can help them perform better. And once they do that, then the buy-in is not really like that's moot at that point. Once you make that connection or they have that aha moment they've bought in and that's part of that is up for them to decide, right? You think of stages of change, how, what's their mindset going into a training? Um, you know, what have they heard about my, myself as the, as the trainer or our, our, our company, you know, we were called CSF2. What did they hear about CSF2's trainings? Did you learn a lot? And that's what I mean, like the culture. Who do you have to go talk to? If I'm, if I'm getting a, I'll give you an example. If I have a group of, you know, 20-year-old, um, you know, sergeants mm. or 21-year-old sergeants, I might need to go to their staff sergeant the day before and kind of have a conversation with him just so he knows who I am and how he can pitch, he can pitch the training. And say, man, you guys are going to love this guy. He does X, Y, and Z. Like, you know, he's, uh, he's full of but he's a lot of fun, blah, blah, blah. Okay, they're going to come into that in a much different way than if I – so you got to know kind of who the influencers are. For baseball players, the, the beauty is that they're not – like soldiers, I might see them once and I might not see them again for weeks or I might see them for a week straight and never see them again. Our players, I see them every day or every other day or, you know, we know we have these, this opportunity to develop long – 
lasting relationships with them. So we can kind of pick and choose our insertion points and how we're going to lay out our program. It's, it's really a luxury um, of this environment compared to the military environment. It is. And that's, that's a great point because the stigma used to be in the military, right? You don't want to be seen talking to someone who has any kind of mental health background, yeah. but I'm wondering if now that the landscape of soldiers is so much, um, you know, younger, you know, younger generation and wanting every edge that there might be more receptivity. Yeah. I think that that stigma, you know, might still be around. I, I know I haven't worked at the army for four years, but there's, there's people that have beliefs about everything. Um, you know, you, you name a topic and there are people on polar opposite sides of the fence, right? To me, the thing that always stood out was that the elite soldiers, your, your Rangers, your Navy SEALs, um, you know, your, your high performing soldiers, they ate it up. They couldn't get enough. And so that's, that, that's all I need to know is the guys that want to get better. They understand the value. And the guys that say, man, I don't, I don't believe in what you're doing or I don't buy you know, this whole thing or I don't need you, you're right. You don't need me. You don't need what I provide. But if you want it, you know, here's the buffet of items that can help you perform better. You can choose you know, what, what you want to eat on any given night. I'm still going to be here serving. Um, but if you're, not ready, <laughs> if you're not ready to come to the table yet, I got to do a better job of, of cooking you know, meals that smell better. It's not, it's not my, you know, it's not his fault that, that he does not buy in. I, I got to be a better you're, practitioner. You're bringing, up, you're bringing up memories of living in a fraternity house. <laughs> yeah. So do you feel like now being with the Astro, being present in the dugout, being around them eases that comfort level up where a player will just kind of over time eventually come to you? For sure. For sure. And I think we try to set up our program where we're seen as just another part of the coaching staff, right? Um, and, and the luxury, you know, of this environment is that a lot of our players, they come from the college level where they did have a little bit of exposure to a mental skills coach or a mental performance coach or the mental game or whatever it is. So there's at least kind of an inherent knowledge of, of what we do. We have to mold and define it a little bit different. Each program's different. Each, each practitioner is different. You know, you and I are going to, are going to teach the same thing much different ways. And that's okay. That's part of kind of the art of what we do. Right. But you know, on the, on the flip side, it is about like, how do you set up an environment where you're seen by the players as just layered in, you know, at, to an integrative system. And that is being in the clubhouse. It's going out to dinner. It's sitting down in the cafeteria. It's being in involved in pitchers meetings that they're having with their pitching coaches. It's just, being around and it, you know, the, the ultimate athletes look to their managers and coaches to kind of see what, what's okay and what's not. And that goes to, for personnel too. If the manager doesn't say a word to the, the third athletic trainer for, for three weeks after the season starts, ain't no way players are going to that athletic trainer because it, the, 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 the nonverbal communication is you got to stay away from that guy. So unless unless you're layered and integrated into the system and um, you just you're, you're one of the guys and you're not you're not the mental performance coach. You're just Jesse. That's beautiful. You know, the Houston Astros, uh, you know, have been really well known for cultivating the youth and building up as an organization and fostering that. Um, just being a part of a, a family. What's it been like for you to be a part of that? You know, the evolution over the, you know, and, and all the success in recent years. Sure. It's been a dream. It's been a professional dream. Uh, you know, even with we're recording this, you know, the end of May in 2020, obviously the last eight months have not been, 
the easiest to be a part of, uh, of the Astros organization, but, you know, proud of the program we've built and what we've created. I'm proud of the success we've had. It's, I read the articles, I watch, watch the news, uh, but I know what goes on behind closed doors. And I know the type of people that are involved with developing these players. And um, there isn't a better group of coaches that, that I'd want to be around. And so, you know, who, what, what kid grows up and doesn't want to be a part of, you know, two World Series experiences, you know, and that's just kind of, kind of what we do. It seems like everyone these days is trying new workout systems. Some people go to the gym, others may run, but I've recently discovered a great in-home method that is absolutely amazing. I'm taking in-jitsu classes online where I'm being trained and pushed in real time by top MMA fighters straight from the octagon. Injitsu.com provides real-time classes so you can get a top-notch workout from the comfort of your own home. These classes are absolutely going to sell out. So head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class for free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Protecting your child's teeth is important in any sport. That's why Impact Dental Designs has put so much thought into their state-of-the-art mouth guards, protecting athletes in youth sports, all the way up to advanced MMA fighters and champions. And the best part is you can customize your own design for your own creative and fun mouth guard. So head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash Richard Listens. And if you purchase now, you get a free customized design and 20% off your order. Yeah. So what's, I mean, how's that been for you to see the people? So uh, yeah, uh, sorry for that. Uh, in Interlude for an advertisement for our sponsors, uh, Impact Dental Designs. We're back with Jesse Michelle sharing about his experience with two-time World Series uh, attendees, Houston Astros, and uh, what it's like to be a part of a family and a culture that's growing and so much is positive, and then there's controversy in the last eight months. Um, is it hard to separate yourself from the people and remain professional? I mean, how are you? How have you been impacted, and, and how do you navigate? through a crisis yeah I mean I'll be honest it's been it's been tough to kind of be labeled I guess just because you're a part of of the organization but like I said I know the work that goes on behind closed doors I know the type of people that I go to work with every day and and I'm proud to, to be a part of that group um I think that you know the it's unfortunate um, you know how the last eight months have gone, but you know I, I don't have any control over that. I don't have any control over 2017. Um, I don't have any control over what Major League Baseball does or doesn't do. I can just show up to work every day and uh, try to be the best you know practitioner that I can, try to provide the best support that I can for our players and their family and staff, but also the, you know, the other side, our front office staff and some of our scouts. And it's not just the 25 players on the field. I mean, there's 400 people, 500 people involved in this, you know, making this uh, machine operate. And, um, you know, I, I think you'll probably have, unfortunately, their challenges arise, but, uh, you know, the, the real measure of, uh, of, a, of a system or a man or a woman is, is how they overcome those challenges, right? So yes, we're, we're trying to do trying to do the best we can to, to make things right and to uh, be the best organization that we can be. The organization has you know, made the decisions that they made in terms of personnel and how they're going to approach this. And, you know, it's it's my job to to come to work and let them worry about that and, and me do my job.
Yeah. And has there been any kind of organizational top-down message? You know, sometimes a crisis can really galvanize a group um, or just techniques that you bring to the players to try and keep this outside because they, they have to face it every minute they walk off the field. Sure, sure. I think, um, you know, if you would have asked me that question three months ago before this whole pandemic, I, I probably would have had a different answer. I, you know, we don't know what the season is going to necessarily look like this year. Um, and so that, that, brings different challenges to what's going on. But sure, I, I can tell you like during, during spring training that there were you know, top-down messages from the front office, from the ownership group, and, there were, um, and we were putting systems in place in order to, to make sure that our players, if they needed to, uh, were, were gonna be able to have the skills to, you know, to handle and cope and, and thrive in you know, this, this condition or, or the situation that we saw in spring training, which, which frankly was something I'd never seen before in terms of other fans and whatnot. Now I say that, but it's not like, you know, we're a six year old, uh, you know, little league team out there trying to deal with fan interaction. You're talking about all stars, hall of famers, guys that have been there, done that. Um, you know, that you don't get to that point by, by focusing on what's going on outside the lines. And so while it's definitely tough, um, it's a different situation. You know, it was addressed by multiple people in multiple ways. It certainly was a conversation in spring training, consistent conversation about how are we going to make sure that these guys are ready for these, I'll call them distractions, but I'll just call it a different type of season, right? Uh, now, based on what, what's happened with COVID, you know, who knows what this looks like. And once we figure it out, we'll go back to the drawing board and figure out the best approach based on the current situation. Yeah, in a way, it gave people a bigger, bigger, you know, opponent to look at. And some of the, you know, we know with fanaticism, right, fans are so attached to the team and their sport that their energy can get really misdirected towards players, even on a good day. Um, so I know a lot of the work done in sports psychology is on mental toughness. Uh, how do you help, help a younger player maybe who's, you know, not as thick skinned? So how do you help them deal with distractions? Yeah. Or just some of the negative charge. If they've always been star player, you know, that kind of haven't faced this kind of negativity, mm -hmm. maybe adversity on the field, but, um, the levels of uh, negativity seem like they're rising, especially with, you know, your Instagram account. I mean, all of a sudden you went from being, like you said, a small town guy maybe who was really well known, but now you're on a public scale and people are lashing sure. out. Yeah. yeah, I think part of uh, the first thing is just kind of awareness and acknowledgement and acceptance is as, as this is like the new reality. Um, as opposed to trying to want to get back to something that was, that, that will never happen. So once you accept that this is kind of the new reality, uh, understanding, you know, that being able to, to separate and put energy into what you can control, but also kind of take a look in the mirror and say, what's really driving, you know, my response? Is it, is it that I'm, I don't feel like I'm being heard? I don't have a voice, you know, publicly? Is it that the, the things the fans are, are saying or the distractions that are coming in? Is it that, you know, you, you feel like you're, I'd, I'd have to ask the player really in each, each situation is different, but you know, how are they processing the, the stress or the distractions that they're going through? Uh, and, you know, there's, there's different approaches. You know, my, my foundation, I would say is, you know, in, in this idea that look, your, your mindset and your beliefs really dictate how you, how you see certain situations. So, you know, very uh, rooted in, in just 
understanding self-talk, understanding your beliefs about different situations and kind of the glasses that you put on that develop your perspective, that the way you're interpreting what's going on around you, it's rooted in your belief system. And so helping players really dive into that and understand whether those beliefs are even accurate um, or not. That's one place to start helping them try to see, you know, it, it could be as simple as if it's Instagram, you know, or do you have the discipline to to delete the app. And if you don't, you know, exploring, well, it's causing you all this strain and stress, you know, what is it doing for you? Well, I really like the, the positive reinforcement, you know, that I'm getting. Well, can we get that somewhere else? Um, and if, if that's not an option, you know, is that, is that, is that worth it? Is it, is it real? And helping them kind of dive into maybe what they're experiencing from a distraction like Instagram or because uh, you're right. Yeah, Instagram, Twitter, right? It's I mean, we've seen like in more in basketball, right? You had, uh, you know, players on the Sixers arguing not only with fans, but with the management and players. I mean, getting very public just because that impulsive need to defend uh, That's right. that if That's we're right. not skilled at it. And I think for, for high level competitive athletes or high level performers in any uh, industry, you're going to you're going to find a lot of that whether it's um ego whether it's you know the the right to the the willingness or want to defend yourself or stand up for yourself you know there's a there's a kind of a, a different route to take maybe that is a more mindfulness acceptance based route where the player doesn't feel like they they have to do that 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 takes a lot of work i think to get there because you know that can be seen as weak or you know, you're not, you don't get the chance to defend yourself or whatever that is. But that, again, goes back to the belief systems of the player and where those beliefs came from. You know, it might, might have been how they were brought up or, um, you know, and could be any, any area. Where, let me give you an example. Try to, try to make this a little more concrete. You know, you, every player has a belief as to the, kind of the fans' range of, of distractions. We're talking about the Astros here. And if their belief is, you know what, like the fans can literally say anything they want. It's their right. It's human nature, or I'm sorry, it's free will. We live in a free country. Um, you know, they can MF me and my, my baby down to the ground. Then if that happens, you know, they might not be as bothered. They might be able to let it, let it off. But if their belief system is, look, you can, you can rake me over the coals, but you leave my family out of it. Well, guess what happens when they bring up their family? They're going to be triggered. They're going to, you know, they might talk back. They might respond. They might have a, a, you know, some, some negative emotions that might show up in bad behavior. So part of it comes down to their own beliefs and how they're interpreting what's going on around them. So um, each player is different. You got to respect that in each player, but, you know, help them understand what's driving those responses. Yeah, it's a good point. And I'm glad that you're there, that they, that now that, you know, major league teams are allowing a professional in there so that if you do, the strong thing of not responding, at least you have a place you can express it. I mean, that's sure. really the hard thing, right? Is like seeing the value in not responding, which as athletes, right, has always been that, you know, that's how I establish how, how strong I am. My that's dominance. correct. You attack, you attack, you attack. And so to expect them to, you know, turn that off when they feel threatened, um, you don't get to be a major league player by, by, by stepping back when you feel threatened. Right. I mean, this this game at this level uh, is about, you know, it, it's it's mano a mano. There, there's there's a lot on the line here every night. The the, the feeling is palpable. The, the you know, the emotion is palpable in the locker room, in the clubhouse. And uh, like this is our livelihood. And so you're you're conditioned to to attack. Right. When you feel threatened. So, you know, it takes uh, it takes 
I, I think of, you know, the last dance documentary has, has been on the last right. few weeks. And, um, you know, I think about the different personality types in those locker rooms where you have Jordan, who's the killer and the attacker, and then you have Pippen. And then, and then you got Phil who's running the show that is really the Zen master and is probably, you know, is a Buddhist in disguise and is doing, is able, probably would be able to handle some of this, you know, with a plum and a little bit different. Pretty amazing. Huh? The, the types of, personality characteristics that that it, we're able to work alongside a competitor mm -hmm. like michael um right. do you see a little bit of that with baseball and baseball obviously it's not you know a whole, it has to be a whole team effort and you need your ninth guy as much as you need um you know and you had some key veterans on the teams when uh, you made the world series there um you know how do how do you do that how do you make sure that their voice is as strong as the guy who's you know, Altuve, you know, or Correa. Sure, sure. So that, I mean, I don't actually see that as my job necessarily. The, the, the clubhouse is going to police itself. We have a lot of established veterans. Um, you know, I, I'd be silly to think that anything that I say is going to outweigh something that Justin Verlander or, or a Jose Altuve says. That, that's just not how it works. And it shouldn't work like that. But can um, you so, build up a player who's a role player to feel his importance? Oh, for sure, for sure. But you also need other allies. And that, that goes back to understanding the context and environment where it's a little bit different, in my opinion. Um, you know, in the past, I've worked more kind of, not remotely, but, you know, there's, there's a there's a system in, in the profession where you might, you might see an athlete once or twice a week away from the field and then they go back, you know, to the gym or the pool or the field that they were on. And, and that's valuable. That's beneficial, but it's not necessarily the work in their environment. And so you just have a different kind of interaction with the athlete when you're there with them and you're in kind of the culture and environment that they're working in. And so it might not be me who goes and says something that's going to do what you're saying. I might need to, depending on the player and where they're at in their career, I might need to have the coach go tell them something that I want to tell them. And that's okay. Like I don't, as long as the player is getting what they need from the right person, um, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Like my, my ego doesn't need to be stroked enough where I have to, you know, be the one to, to, to drop the aha moment because I might not have that relationship with the player yet. You know what I mean? Because I, we have 250 players in our organization and you're just not going to have the same relationship with every player. And so, uh, you know, you have to be smart about the message, the timing, who's going to deliver it. And if I, you know, if I'm working, if, if I'm, let's say I'm working with a, a, a player who's in the major leagues that has only been there a few, a few weeks or a few months, um, you know, I got to be, I got to see what's different about that player in, in his environment, his new environment now, because in AAA, he might've been the top dog. He was the alpha. He ran the dugout. He ran the clubhouse. That's not happening there. You know, he all of a sudden turns into a mouse. Um, I actually have to act different around him in that environment than I did in AAA because of the, just it's, I know it might sound silly, but you know, it's a different environment, a different culture. And so I, whereas in AAA, I might've, I might've gone up to that player in the locker room with all the other players around. I wouldn't risk that in, in the major, in a major league clubhouse in that guy's first couple of weeks in the big leagues, I'd make sure to take that guy, you know, one-on-one -on -one or, or wait till he came to the batting cage. And so things like that, well, you got to think about how like perception is reality and you got to know kind of where you stand in each room that you're in, at least in my environment. 
So, you know, is there a future for, I mean, are the Astros creating a whole training program? Do you see, uh, do you have interns coming in under you now? Um, like, do you see, you know, performance psychology on the rise in, in professional sports, the need at least? Yeah, I think that you're seeing, you're seeing teams invest in this area exponentially more than they did even five, seven years ago. Um, and I think that comes with, um, you know, organizations like the uh, Association of Applied Sports Psychology, you know, getting a national certification, you know, as a, you can become a certified mental performance consultant now. Um, it comes with, you know, uh, Division One colleges, you know, mandating that they have, whether it's a licensed psychologist or a CMPC to work with their student athletes, these big influencers in sport, you know, investing the money instead of just, you know, uh, talking through lip service. And so that's where, that's where you see the gains. And we don't have an internship program yet. I would like to build that. We're, we're still in our infancy here. We're in year four. Um, you know, it's really just been January, 2017 was when I was hired. And so, you know, at 18, we brought in somebody else full-time 19. We brought in somebody else full-time this 2020, we brought in a hybrid, affiliate coach that also has a sports psych background. So we've grown, you know, each year. And I think we, and the Astros were one of the, the last teams to kind of transition their model from um, a clinical treatment based model to more of a, a strength based preventative mental skills approach. And do you, does that what most teams are going to, or is it different by the organization? It's, it's totally different. Some teams have uh, some teams programs are run by psychiatrists who kind of spearheads the department and there's, you know, a, 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 a several mental skills coaches. Other teams have just, you know, one psychologist, maybe other teams have a social worker on board. It really just depends on, on the team and, and the type of program that they want to develop. Yeah. So, you know, and in in maybe in our closing segment here, I mean, first of all, how are you doing with this whole COVID? We, I know it, it's been too much of the focus, but uh, we can't ignore it. How have you done with the quarantine and, and, and how have you been able to guide players? I mean, this is totally anti-athlete, uh, yeah, at least on yeah. the surface. So I, it took us a couple of weeks uh, to kind of figure out a, a system to, that, that's easy for our players and reliable for our coaches. So we, we do have, like every organization, you know, we have – very regular, regularly scheduled Zoom calls and conference calls with players, uh, you know, for mental skills training. You know, we, we have, um, you know, some social media opportunities where we connect with players. Uh, you know, our coaches are doing a heck of a job, you know, making sure our players are staying in shape and, and getting video and things like that. So like, like every organization's doing, um, you know, and, and it's really just about trying to stay in touch with, with the guys and, uh, provide them opportunities if they want to reach out and connect where they can. But you're right. This is uh, unprecedented. It's, it's no one's ever tried to figure out how to do this before. And um, I think a lot of people are, you know, they're just kind of anxious and understandably so about what's going to happen, whether it's minor leaguers and, you know, their job or whether it's staff members and potential furloughs. I mean, that's just part of it. And that's, you know, on the one hand, that's the risk associated with, being in any industry and something like this. But on the other hand, you know, if, uh, if a player wants to be a major leaguer, they, they got to perform, they got to get stronger, they got to develop the skill set. Um, and so I tr we try to, to keep our players 
uh, reminded that this too shall pass and that what feels heavy and, and what feels um, ominous and, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, that's a, that's a matter of perspective. And that's a, that's a matter of belief and mindset and that directly impacts, you know, the, the, the intent with that they attack every workout or, or, or how creative they're being with the resources available to them, things that are in their control. You know, we have, like I said, we have different topics, you know, each day for our players to, to, to call in and, and video in and, you know, talk about different aspect of the mental game. And, you know, our, our major league staff is, is doing a good job as well of being in touch with players and giving them the resources that they need. And it's really about, you know, finding a balance between showing support, but also, you know, being careful not to be, not to overwhelm the players. You know, what I'm contacting them, the athletic trainer, the strength coach, their hitting coach, their manager. It's just like enough already. Like I'm doing right. fine. Our like, own, yeah, stuff. our own anxiety can yeah. get passed on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So there's a balance there. Yeah, and, and with so much unknown, we're, we're, I guess the decision will be made soon, whether there's a season or what the season will look like. How do you stay ready as an organization? Does it, you know, or is everyone still kind of in this holding space? No, we're, we're working. I mean, there's a, we got a, a draft coming up in, in two weeks that, that we got to be prepared for. We got, um, you know, we got projects that we're doing, uh, professional development projects. We got, you know, a, a bunch of proprietary stuff that, that every organization has that they're working on. That's has nothing to do with a game, a game at seven o'clock that, that coaching staffs are, are prepared for. I mean, we, we got, some groups of coaches are learning how to code, you know, they're, they're learning SQL and they're learning our other groups are, are taking other professional development courses. You know, we, we work closely with our coaches, you know, they, I had all of our coaches read the inner game of tennis and we That's did a, ser- a series of workshops <laughs> on, you know, how do you apply these principles to, to coaching? And so you, you just got to get creative. You always have good book recommendations before you go, please make a, make another recommendation. Your Jesse's reads are always the best. That's, that's very kind. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's just, um, you know, you, you try to stay ready as best you can. And then at some point we'll get a call that says either this whole deal's bang this year, or you got to come back and then we'll adjust. So yeah, we have to use it as a, as a professional, your own staying in the moment mm-hmm. and being prepared for any outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's historic, right? Has baseball season ever been canceled? There was one strike-shortened season. Yeah, you know, I don't know if a whole season's been canceled. They've, they've obviously had a couple of strike-shortened seasons, I think. I think in 94, but then also in 80, maybe. The season started a little late. Uh, you know, there was uh, obviously the, the years during the war where not all the players were, were playing. But, um, you know, a whole, a whole season like this, it's it's scary for everybody. And then you have – but, you know, I'm not in the I'm not a player in the union. I'm not an owner. Like, I, there's not much I can do other than do my job every day and let those people, you know, do their job. And, uh, you know, it, if I allow it to consume me – then I wouldn't, here's my belief. If I allow it to consume me, I wouldn't be very good at my job because it's right. out of my control. And so much of, uh, you know, performance psychology, mental skills is controlling the controllables. Sure. Yep. And identifying yeah. what is in your control. And if there's something that's, that is causing you stress or anxiety or worry that's in your control, then there's the next step is like doing is taking action, problem solving, gathering information, identifying, you know, what thinking traps are in. Are you jumping to conclusions? Do you not have all the information? Do you need to ask better questions in order to, to give yourself a best, the best representation 
uh, of an of a- accuracy in the situation. Incredible stuff. Well, Jesse, Michelle, real honor. I know it's been really hard to get you on the show during the season with the runs up to the World Series, the extended seasons you've had. So for my listeners, we uh, selfishly appreciate that you've been quarantined. Yeah, Richard, <laughs> Richard I, really, I really appreciate you having me on. And, and like you said, it's I feel like this is like a year at least in the making. Um, we've been trying to, we've been trying to connect here for a while now. And um, thank you for all you do and for putting this podcast out. And if any of your listeners ever want to reach out, you know, feel free to get in touch. How can they get to, a hold of you, please? Yeah, yeah uh, feel free. You can, you can get at me on Twitter. It's just Jesse D. Michelle, uh, J-E-S-S-E-D-M-I-C-H-E-L. Um, I'm on Instagram as well, but, but I'm on Twitter. That's, that's the best way to find me. Uh, or shoot me an email, uh, jessedmichelle at yahoo.com. Feel free. Um, I'm happy to happy to connect that way as well. And any questions you have, if you're interested to hear more about what we do or how we do it, or you're interested in uh, you know, finding out how to get involved in the industry, feel free to reach out. Growing industry, really important to have uh, a voice of someone who's, you know, been there, been there for soldiers uh, and and being there for our athletes. Uh, You know, one thing is for sure, they're human beings too, and they need support in handling stress and becoming, um, you know, the peak performers that they they aspire to be. Uh, Okay, Jesse, send us out with your next book recommendation. I know last time you, I think you told me it was called uh, Rise of Superman. I read that one. The Irresistible Pull of Irrational Behavior. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Go, go, go for that. And then um, maybe help, help you take a look in the mirror and see where you can make some performance gains. You see, that's, that's, that's what it's all about over here is helping everyday people, you know, work on their, their hero within and not get pulled into sabotage. That's right. <laughs> as that's we right. all can. Find your truth, man. Find your truth. Find your truth, find your way. Well, Jesse, thank you so much. Uh, gratitude on behalf of uh, all my listeners. And uh, we hope to uh, see you on the side of a, a ball field soon. Me too. I hope to be there. I hope everyone's staying safe and healthy. And uh, thanks again for the opportunity, Richard. Well, that was a treasure and a gift, having Jesse DeMichel on the show. If you're interested in his work with the Houston Astros or with the military, please get a hold of him on Twitter or email that he uh, kindly lent to us and take his book recommendations. I know they always inspire me and get me thinking about the field of sports psychology and mental skills. Again, I'm Richard Olberger, clinical psychologist. I appreciate uh, all of you listening. Check me out on Instagram at Richard Listens and patriot.com slash Richard Listens. So I'm Richard Listens. I thank everybody. Be safe and I'm out. I'm a big fan of MMA sports. It's rough and elegant at the same time. I think my number one fear of stepping into a ring like that would be protecting my teeth. Luckily, the guys over at Impact Dental Designs have created an amazing mouth guard that is state of the art. These mouth guards are currently being used by some of the best MMA fighters, but even better, they can be tailored to any sport. Football, hockey, boxing, soccer, the list is endless. Head over to impactdentaldesigns.com slash richardlistens to get 20% off your order and a free customized design for your mouth guard. Lastly, I'd like to proudly mention our sponsor, Injitsu.com, providing remote at-home training from some of the world's top MMA fighters. These classes are not pre-recorded. These trainers come to you live and coach you for the duration of the session. I've personally taken a few of these classes, and I've never felt so inspired and accomplished in a workout session. They'll leave you both on the floor in exhaustion and with a drenched shirt. 
there are still slots available for online classes, so head over to injitsu.com slash richardlistens to get your first class free. That's I-N-J-I-T-S-U dot com slash richardlistens. Take care, everyone.